Welcome to Australia on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. Hey, Barrett's me, Mel Farrell and Barrett Sundaresan. Uh, because we like to say his name properly, bringing you lots of chat about Australia and cricket and whatever else we might want to. Um, And it's really exciting, Bharat. Yeah, I know. Another show for you and me to get stuck into uh, Mel Farrell. It feels like... uh... It feels like we, we're meeting each other all over again. It's a very different format, uh, I would assume. I don't know. I mean, let's see how this goes. I know it's been formatted for us, but we generally don't stick to any format. But this is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, there's always a lot happening with uh, uh, Australian cricket, especially this time of the year. And, well, actually all around the year. But you and I will be there to talk about it uh, weekly, bi-weekly. I, I don't know what the word is for, like, Thrice a week in that format. Uh, Tri-weekly? You know, Tri-weekly. There you go. And yeah, so it's uh, exciting times ahead. It is. And of course, joining uh, Jared Kimber's empire that mm. he's, he's, he's building. Well, he's not like an evil emperor like in Star Wars. That's not what we want to suggest. But because he's, he's given me something to read, and I, I'm not very good at reading reading things, but I think I, think I need to do this. Maybe my best... Radio DJ style, Australia on 99.94 is your new home for your team content. Oh, no, that's meant to be Australian <laughs> content. <laughs> it's a generic one, hey? Uh, we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times each week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Also, if you get a chance, go check out the Mitch Johnson Show, where the former Aussie Quick talks about his life and cricket. You can find it where you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Geez, stuffed you over there, isn't it? Because it's the Mitch Johnson Show. <laughs> totally amidst the fact that you're you're doing the podcast with Mitch. Stuff you, Barat. It's all about Mitch Johnson. Well, uh, look. You know me, Mel. I like to stay on the sidelines, and it is, it is it, it, the show is about Mitch Johnson. But you know, if you hear any conversation which involves me, at some point you will get to hear about my life as well. So yeah, it's a the Mitch Johnson show, co-piloted as Jared Kimber says, uh, by by me. But also just listening to you reading that out, isn't this when we start playing some music, radio DJ? Like, what are we listening to today? Oh, well, if you're involved, we know it's going to be some sort of death metal. metal yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for me, it's probably going to be some kind of cheesy pop. Mm, that's true. I'm like, uh, I, I was getting quite down to the uh, Baz McCollum um, over in England when I was there. They actually play music in net sessions now. And it was all cheesy pop classics. It was amazing. I saw, I watched Keaton Jennings being bowled out by Jimmy Anderson to the strains of, I want to know what love is. It was amazing. I don't know what it is with cricketers and uh, music taste. I was having this chat um, uh, with a friend recently. Very few have, at least in my opinion, very good musical taste. I mean, that's why I love doing commentary with Damien Fleming, we make sure that at least five minutes of our stint together is just like song names from famous like <laughs> metal albums. And it's a lot of fun, but very few who you can talk uh, proper music with. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I I like everything, but I don't know if I can have a, an extended chat with you about proper rock. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, do, do you also do you also realize that uh, five minutes into our first ever Australia oh, yeah. cricket on ninety nine point nine four podcast, we haven't mentioned the word cricket. No, cricket, Australia. Uh, there's a there's a T Twenty World Cup going on. Um, we, we're actually recording this before Australia play England mm-hmm. uh, in what has turned out to be quite amazing because, of course, as people do, probably jump the gun after Australia basically had their butts handed to them by New Zealand. Uh, there are a lot of people looking at this particular fixture and saying, wow, England could knock Australia out of the, the home World Cup in the first week. And my, how things have changed because it's, it's well, it's it's an incredible match. Now, I mean, this group, this tournament is wide open. It's not just oh. this group, but the whole tournament is wide open. I was just sort of saying um, that uh, I, I think I tweeted this earlier today. It's like it's become such a cliche for... Um, 
captains in press conferences in, in a tournament like this, they all say, oh, everyone can beat anyone on their day oh. in a T20 tournament, right? Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> but all of a sudden, it feels like those words have meaning. I know. Yeah, that, that cliche is winning. You're right. I mean, it's ah. uh, it, it, New Zealand seemed uh, a favourite. They still have. I mean, they are yet to lose a game. They played one game. It feels like they've played uh, more than one game. Uh, and it's been a while since that game happened as well. Uh, and yeah, it, it is this group in particular that Australia are in, like England and Australia could knock each other out. Um, and, you know, there's that very dangerous team just waiting. And for me, that is uh, like Sri Lanka, it mm. cannot be taken lightly. They have one win in them against an England or uh, a New Zealand. They, they came close against Australia. I thought maybe if they had, uh, if the fast bowler hadn't gone down and if they hadn't... Uh, lost a few wickets uh, in the middle and I bumped into Chris Silverwood just before his press conference and uh, and we both agreed. I thought they played the middle overs really well. I mean, the it's all about twos in Australia, right? In those middle overs. And Sri Lanka got so many twos. I think they got close to 20 twos in that period. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, they lost their way. If they'd gotten to 170 and they had that fast bowler not walk off after the first five uh, Balls or so. Who knows? They could have made a fist of it. I love this. Basically, you're saying Sri Lanka could have won if they'd won. <laughs> Not really. I mean, in a way, yes. In a way, that's where I was going with it. No, but it, it but it was so important though for Australia that um, Stoinis uh, did what he did. Not just because uh, they needed a win. But they needed something which would like not just have them stand up and like clapping in the dugout, but they needed something which would get them all jumping up and down, waving the towel. Like they needed some excitement in that camp. They looked really flat in mm-hmm. Perth uh, on the field, and, and even you know, of course with the bad Aaron Finch's struggles didn't didn't help. But even on the field, Mel, like Pat Cummins dropping a catch, twenty three extras. They were just getting very, uh, they were getting very annoyed with with everything. So. Uh, you know, maybe they felt Sri Lanka would be a game where uh, they're not pushed, especially in those conditions. Uh, but plucky Sri Lanka kept like plucking away as they always do. <laughs> and I think it, 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 it really was getting to the Aussies. So it's good that they found Stoinis uh, uh, to do what like, you know, he, he did. Uh, yeah, They could have still won by like, say, seven balls to spare. Uh, it would have still been a, uh, been recorded as a win, but they needed something, some excitement, some feeling in that camp. I think they've got it now. I, I mean, you you mentioned Aaron Finch there, and that is obviously the big discussion point at the moment. I actually caught up with him yesterday after the press conference. If you can plug your other shows, uh, if you have a chance, check oh, out let, the interview. Uh, let me do that for you, Mel. Come on. Oh, okay, go <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah, can you plug my interview with Aaron? You won't have ever even seen it because you never watch anything that I do. Uh, no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, I like to watch these things uh, while you're sitting next to me. So <laughs> I, I've just bought myself 15 minutes of watching the Melinda Ferrell YouTube channel, which is a must-watch uh, <laughs> if you are into... Uh, Cricket, if you are into the vagaries of cricket, if you are into the quirky bits of cricket and cricketers, it is a must-watch. The Mark Adair video is sensational. I'm yet to watch it, but I'm sure it is sensational. <laughs> oh, this is, yeah, this is not No, good. no, but honestly, it, it, uh, yeah, I did see bits and pieces of your Finch video. And, and yeah, you kind of basically called him, um, you basically asked him to just step down. In fact, you wanted him to just walk away in the middle of the innings, walk, leave the Optus Stadium and never come back. I, no, I, I mean, I sort of was talking about the fact that, and I <laughs> do think this, so we've been talking about others as well. Even when you look at, say, someone like, uh, someone like a Shah Massoud innings or whatever, you, we're seeing this a little bit in the World Cup where there are some of those dogged innings, and you talk about twos, and twos and, and threes, um, are hugely important in this tournament because there is something in it for the bowlers. It's not just like uh, flat pitches that no. are advantaging the batters so much that they're able to to go big all the time. And, yes, the boundaries in Australia are big. The dude's not the factor that we saw last year in the World Cup. So there's a bit more evenness across the entirety of the matches. So all of those things I, I think have made it quite often difficult for batters to do what they have done, and, and especially early up, there is there is danger, and there's danger that you can go too hard. I think, mm. and if the counter punch doesn't work as it did did for New Zealand against Australia, 
you can expose a middle order and, and be vulnerable, and we we have seen that during this. So sometimes I think those sort of, and I, this is what I put to, to Aaron, that, you know, those some of those scrappy, dogged, and for want of a better word, ugly, and he's like, what are you calling, are you saying I batted ugly? And I was like, well, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, he's such a good guy. He yeah. took that in his, abs- you know, the right spirit. And he did see that. And I, I do, I know that there's a lot of questioning over his performance, um, performances and his place in the team and everything else. And, and it's, it harks back to Owen Morgan, I think, from from 12 mm. months ago. There's a lot of similarities in, in what's happening there. Um, but I... But I do sometimes think, you know, that it's not necessarily as easy. I don't think that you're going to see, especially if if Dave Warner gets out early, it's it's a difficult thing to then say Aaron Finch has to just come out all guns blazing. Is that necessarily the right thing? Um, And obviously that was, you know, the slowest innings in T20 internationals with 40-plus balls or whatever. So people will point to that, yeah, that's maybe a little bit too much and he couldn't get going. But do you think there's a little bit of, I don't know, people just being quick to point and say, well, he should be smashing it out of the park? I think he's been in very good T20 form in the last 18 months or so. And it was one of those days, and I've seen a lot of batters have that, even when you are doing well, where nothing comes off no wonder he was being getting so frustrated that even when he was hitting the ball up in the air it was falling into no man's land you know i'm sure that there are times as a batter you just want to get get it over with almost you don't want to get out but you just want to either hit a six or get out he wasn't not even able to do that yeah. there were times when he was trying to open the face of the bat just push it to point but the ball was going to uh, you know a very fine third man it was just one of those crazy days and interestingly even though people will talk about how ugly it was or how slow it was, he ended up playing a role that Australia needs someone to play, which is basically see them through. Uh, Because they have a lot of power in that middle order. Maxwell, Marsh, Stoinis, David, Wadey. uh, Wadey, Wade. (laughs) (laughs) Wadey! I'm so used to going, Wadey! (laughs) (laughs) That just slipped through. Uh, Matthew Wade. So they have so much power. They need someone, which is why I have been banging the door down from the beginning that they need Steve Smith. Mm. Uh, in these conditions where you, again, going back to the twos, you still need some fluidity in the middle order. We've seen it with Kohli, Virat Kohli. We've seen it with Devin Conway. We've seen it with um, so many other players in the middle overs. Uh, I think Dananjay De Silva in one of those, Kusal Mendes, I should say, in one of those games as well against Ireland. So you need a, a guy like that. So it And in this current format, it has to be either Warner or Finch. And both can do it. Uh, both can kind of carry the innings through. Uh, but if both of them get out like they did against New Zealand, or if, say, Finch had got out at that point during uh, the Sri Lanka chase, at, uh, maybe early on, the, who plays that role? I mean, Glenn Maxwell can play that role. But is he going to play that role? That's the question. Mm. So you can't just... And that's what happened against New Zealand. The fact that Australia didn't get anywhere close to 200 is because they just came in... Everybody tried playing shots. Yes, it came off against Sri Lanka, but it's not going to always come off. Uh, and that's why they need someone to play that role. And if not uh, uh, if not Steve Smith, if they're not going to bring Steve Smith in, it, it might well be Aaron Finch who will have to do that, uh, if especially David Warner gets out early. And, I, I mean, you talk about Steve Smith, and, and I absolutely agree with you about that kind of play, and that's sort of what I was saying when I mentioned Sharmasu, but then you look at like Virat has found it very hard to get going early as well. Yeah. What Devin Conway did too, it, it, it is really interesting. It, if you were putting your selector hat on over your magnificent hair, who would you bring Steve Smith in for? I mean, the Western Australian audience might not like this, but even though he's had like a great run in T20 cricket for the last 18, 20 months, maybe he's been Australia's better, or one, one of the top three T20 performers. I think Mitchell Marsh, because he's not bowling regularly, mm. um, he's the only person I can pick on because Stoinis is doing a very good job in the middle overs with the ball. And now even before the 50, and that 50 helps like just, you know, because Stoinis is such a feel player, right? He does, he, he brings good vibes to that dressing room. We've seen that. Like when he does well, the team just feels happier because he's one of those characters as well. Uh, he brings some emotion. So I, you don't, if you can't leave Stoinis out and he's playing a big role in the middle overs with the ball, uh, especially with the big boundaries, he's using them well. And Marsh is not bowling. That's the only 
only position I can see um, Steve Smith come into because obviously Maxwell doesn't go anywhere, not the Stoinis. Uh, and Tim David, there's no point dropping him now. I mean, you've invested so much in him in a way by keeping him for the World Cup and you brought him in. After a couple of games, there's no, um, no point dropping him. And also a little thing on Tim David, not to objectify him. Uh, the other day, he came and did a press conference, uh, Mel. And that's the first time I was seeing him like from up close. He's a very handsome man, I must say. I, 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 I mean, I can't say anything to that. Can I? You can say that. but no, Of course, you a, can just agree. I mean, he's a good-looking man, as you are a good-looking woman. And I would expect <laughs> you to say that I'm a good-looking man as well. So no, I don't have to say that because you actually <laughs> sent me a message. <laughs> you sent me a message uh, the other day saying, how cute do I look in my Twitter <laughs> profile for a pic? I, I know, I, I don't know. I just something about that picture. I have it ogling at myself quite a bit. Like, yeah, I spend spend a few hours during the day just looking at that picture and going, that's a good, you're a good looking guy. Vanity knows uh, no boundaries, as you know, Mel. I told you that was blackmail material. I've got it screenshotted. Uh, I'm just going to keep it, keep it there. Uh, yeah, look, it, it's, it's very interesting. I, I also thought the other thing that was interesting and, and, there's been some talk around this as well. You know, Australia uh, are, are in Perth. I mean, they're at home and they're at Perth where it's the quickest. I mean, Mitch Marsh told me that he reckons when it's been prepared well, it's it's faster than the Wacker. Yeah. Right? Is, yeah. And and they go there with the pace attack that they've got. Uh, is that pace attack, which is brilliantly talented, as it stands, going to win them a World Cup. I, I sort of feel really sorry for Kane Richardson. I'll tell you, tell you why. But like a year mm. ago, a bit over a year ago, I was talking to, to people within the Australian camp, influential people, who said that Kane Richardson was the most valuable T20 bowler that Australia had. Yeah. And because of the because of how Josh Hazelwood developed as as a T20 bowler. And then having, you know, well, Stark doing what Stark does, he yeah. just can't leave him out. Um, and then Pat Cummins being Pat Cummins, it it sort of feels like his variations and um, like the canniness of his bowlers. It, there's been a lot of talk about test match lengths in this World Cup and how important they are and that they can get you wickets. Uh, do you think that there's room in that Australian side to massage that bowling attack a little bit? Unfortunately, no. I just think I, I'm a big Kane Richardson fan. And you're right, if he hadn't gotten injured uh, last year, he would have played a big role in that World Cup campaign as well. But because it worked out for them, because Australia took a punt on playing their test seam attack and they won a World Cup, uh, I don't see them moving away from it. I mean, there's been a suggestion from Mark Waugh that he would bring Cam Green in for uh, Pat Cummins, which is not a bad idea. I'm not I'm not saying Pat Cummins in particular. It could be any of those fast bowlers. Uh because of how well Cam Green has been bowling in, in recent months and because Adam Finch does have flexibility with Stoinis and if Marsh is bowling, Marsh and, of course, the spin of Maxwell. Uh, but I don't think Australia moving away from these three, Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins. And in case in case one of them uh, is left out, I then it, I think they will turn to, turn to Kane Richardson because uh, mm. he's the one bona fide death bowler uh, they have. I mean, all, all these other guys have developed their death bowling skills, whether it's Cummins, Hazelwood or Stark. But they'll be the... I mean, I mean Hazelwood and, and Cummins in particular will tell you that it's still a work in progress. So mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, but because, you know, you have Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark as... It's very difficult to drop them in any game. And also because Australia are defending champions. So it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do moving forward. But um, if the rain does relent... For uh, later today, I do see them sticking to the same bowling, uh, bowling attack, of course, with Adam Zampa coming in uh, if he's fit. Yeah, and, and it's quite interesting. How I mean, how do you think they're shaping up generally in this World Cup? Because I wasn't necessarily convinced. They were really lucky with the toss and, and various things yeah. last year. And they, you know, they'll admit that as well, uh, so that there was some luck involved. They still got to, you know, perform mm. when you That's do win the yeah. toss. So, um this this T20 tournament is far less reliant on the toss, I feel, <laughs> more yeah. reliant on the weather than the toss, so there's always True. something. Um, but it, 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 I didn't necessarily feel like that they were red-hot favourites in the way that 
they were, were kind of being made to mm. made out to be as defending champions and also uh, hosting. Um, uh, so I, I think it's a it's a bit hard to sort of say where they are right. I now. think it goes with every team in this uh, World Cup and the World Cup itself, Mel. Because there's mm. uh, you know, and Jared and I have spoken about it for over the last few weeks. Uh, T Twenty cricket in Australia in October. It's a it's virgin territory, if I may say so. And there's like, you know, not many people know how it is. There are no stats or numbers or or actually any. There is no precedence to the format being played at this time of the year. Very few games here and there. So you're just banking on turning up on the day and literally learning on the job. And every team is doing that. The one thing I always expected to happen was that this could be well be a bowlers tournament. And we're seeing mm-hmm. that like with South Africa, uh, with New Zealand, uh, these wily seasoned attacks. And you see those two attacks in particular, the amount of T20 experience there, bold Saudi, Santner, Saudi. I mean, Ferguson's great, but those four, they're like, you cannot make any mistakes against them. Like they've done this so often. Um, similarly with South Africa, I mean, Rabada, Norke, Wayne Parnell, who's come back, uh, Maharaj and Shamsi, they are, and I'm sure I'm missing someone out, and, and Lungi Ingri as well. So that's, a, again, a very, very uh, uh, dangerous attack. Uh, mm. So it, it, these attacks will defend totals. Like, you know, even if they can get 150, 160. For that matter, Pakistan should have won that game. Right, like let's face it, they should have won that game against India. Uh, uh, and yesterday, well, again, Zimbabwe's bowling attack. There you well, go. I was going to say, Sikandar, when you talk about Wiley and and the experience of a, of a perhaps an older player, and I say older in the terms of like not twenty two, but yeah. Sikandar Raza. Again, you're right. It is that that bowling now, isn't it? It is. It is, and uh, so it's difficult. It literally have to take it game by game to see how how they they shape up how they match up um and yeah for now winning the toss is it a good thing or a bad thing i don't know like australia won the toss against new zealand and like you know got absolutely hammered like you said um and yeah and one thing i do expect from this game before we move on to other topics though mel is that new zealand provided a blueprint uh to other teams as to how to go after this australian attack if you mm-hmm. have the firepower Sri Lanka didn't have the firepower at the top order, but England do. Um, and then, like going back to Kane Richardson and uh, not having a bona fide death bowler. Uh, yes, I think Stark, you could say, is a bona fide death bowler, but the other two are still kind of they, they have days, and they then then they have days. So uh, that's the way to go. If you can attack them, then your bank you're completely changing Adam Zampa's role as well. Like he admitted that day after the New Zealand game. So that's what I expect. And again, that will be another challenge for Aaron Finch and this team to uh, kind of overcome and which will tell you how they shape up after that. Yeah, lots to be revealed, I guess, over the remainder of this tournament. We're going to take a a short break now, but we're going to come back afterwards and have a little discussion about Tim Payne and maybe a little bit of faf diplicy as well. So we'll see you after the break. I'm Jared Kimber, the host of Red Inca on 99.94. But we're now adding a new weekly podcast, Double Century. It's about our sports, weird, funny, sad, and amazing history. So if you want to know about the man who could catch balls and birds, or what Avida may have done to a cricket club, search for us in your favourite podcast platform or find us on the 99.94 DM app. Well, look, it's quite interesting timing, isn't it, that we have two books being released? (laughs) I wonder if there was any collusion in the timing of this because uh, Tim Payne is releasing a book, Faf Faf Duplessis is releasing a book and, of course, uh, the subject of Sandpaper Gate has come up at uh, at an opportune or an inopportune time and some different versions Mm. uh, of of what's going on. Uh, Tim Payne, not just about that as well, where he – in the extracts, I haven't been able to read oh, yeah. the full books yet, but in reading the extracts, uh, expressing his surprise and his shock and and not only that, but, you know, feeling that, yes, um, everything had gone too far mm. in the way that, well, he said both teams, but I guess particularly reflecting on Australia, that their aggression, their aggressive behaviour had definitely gone too far in the build-up to that and probably from beforehand as well. Um, so uh, Faf Duplessis 
was interesting in that he did also reflect on that, but he also didn't really blame them. And that that fits in with some conversations I've had with other South African cricketers as well, where essentially, you know, two teams going hard at it, desperate to do whatever they can to win. Um, and it all just boiling over. I, I, what have you made of, of what Tim, I guess, in particular has said about that incident? So we can talk about some of the other things he said as well. Yeah, I mean, firstly, we need to find who the publishers are. If, the, <laughs> if it's the same publishers, then well done. Well done indeed. Yeah. yeah. And it also kind of sets up that Australia-South Africa test series later this year uh, perfectly. I mean, now I think this is just uh, the appetizer, right? Once this World Cup is over and once the West Indies series is over, uh, it won't just be extracts. By then, like people would have read these two books and compared it. Some of our friends who do a lot of that, uh, you know, without taking names, would definitely have done that. Would have swallowed the book up in a, <laughs> overnight, both of them. And then, it, it, it look, uh, the thing is, uh, there, there were always going to be many versions right and there'll be many many more versions that'll come out in the next uh, few months and years and uh, who knows how long uh, everyone involved in that series at some point is going to write a book and in Australia pretty much every cricketer has a book that comes out more or less uh, and men's cricketer women's cricketer it's all the same um, so yeah I mean what I found interesting about the Tim Payne thing also was uh, how you know he, where he talks about how South Africa will you know, getting stuck in during that fourth test. You know, yeah, saying they were playing with the seam, basically. They were playing was with this. He was accusing them of ball tampering in the very next test. In the very next test, um, and and having spoken to cricketers like from Australia and South Africa who were involved in that series, who historically have been involved in Australia South Africa series, this that has always been that argument. Like, you know, who does it more in a strange way? Some Australians believe it's the South Africans. Some South Africans believe it's the Australians. Uh, which is basically the essence of this Tempain v. Faf du Plessis, if you want to call it that, uh, book war right now, right? Like, <laughs> and, 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 and I think that's pretty much my take on it. Like, nobody will ever know exactly what happened, right? Like, or, uh, but some of the things both have touched upon the just the ill feeling between the two teams uh the broadcasters getting involved and you know this is a topic which has been discussed to death i know with what happened with Faf Duplessis when he came to australia when was it a year or oh, no actually a few months prior to that the mint gate uh, the mint gate um <laughs> so all of that i think it it just it came to a boil and everything that was happening in australian cricket as well at that point it all just came to a boil and, um, yeah, it just went poof. And now four years later, is it? Four and a half years later, it's back to... And this is the... Like, let's not forget, this is the first time Australia and South Africa going to play each other in Test cricket since that, you know, infamous incident. It feels like so long back, but yeah. they haven't faced each other at all after that. So, yeah, it's going to go poof again. Uh, How's it going to go? Boof in like him. No, he's gone. He was the coach at the time. He's gone. We've had oh, another that, coach and another coach since then. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> We've also got another captain since then. And Tim Payne also spoke about the um, uh, the way his his yes, departure yes, yeah. was handled. Um, and I guess what he saw as 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 a lack of support, the time bomb that he, he kind of probably yeah. knew was there and I mean at the time I remember being in uh, being on the Zoom because it was all Zoom then, uh, the press conference uh, with Cricket Australia and, and basically asking the question, is the code of conduct fit for purpose? And and this all also fits in with the, the whole Sandpaper Gate thing too and just like Dave Warner's captaincy ban or leadership ban being overturned, uh, they're, they're – there seems to be a number of things within that code of conduct that yeah. perhaps need to be looked at. And I guess they should always be um, constantly revised because if, you, if you're constantly going back and having to, to change it to fit the circumstance that arises at the time yeah. does make you question it a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but that, exactly. Uh, and uh, But how do you design a code of conduct which covers all these, everything that has happened, right? I mean, yeah. from Sandpaper Gate to what happened with Tim Payne um, towards the end or like what led to his uh, uh, 
uh, international career pretty much coming to a premature end, as you would feel. Uh, how do you, I mean, between the two and then everything else, how do you have a code of conduct which kind of can deal with all of it? So in a way, uh, that term that Australians love to use, it's always going to be a moving circus. Uh, and, uh, and again, I think, that we kind know, I think we say movable feast. I've never oh, yeah. heard of a moving circus. I think I just came off. <laughs> <laughs> Australians love to say moving circus. Uh, okay, no. sorry. They love to say moving feast. Yeah, I don't know why I said circus. A movable feast. A movable not a feast. Moving. It's not like one of those progressive dinners where you're just moving while feasting. A, a oh, movable right, 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 feast. Right. It's not yeah. one of those. A movable feast. Maybe we should start using moving circus. Maybe that should be the name of this podcast. I Australia think it, on... I think you're, you're conflating movable feast with traveling circus, which is what we're on in this World Cup. That is true. It's not a traveling caravan. It is a traveling circus. But um, no, again, just on the Tim Payne thing as well, just speaking to Australian cricketers past and present, uh, there's always been this feeling, and I'm sure you've heard this from many people, Mel, that when it comes to uh, an Australian cricketer being in a position that he shouldn't or he's been put into, whether it's, I mean, I, I'm not saying Tim Payne was put into any position. I'm just saying uh, whether it's the Tim Payne position or what happened to the late Andrew Simons during Monkey Gate uh, or various other circumstances where it's uh, the focus is suddenly on the player for negative reasons. There is this feeling that Cricket Australia kind of washes their hands of them. Um, and a lot of people say this, uh, you know, Andrew Simons, we know what happened to his life after the whole the monkey gate episode where a lot of players felt, including him, that Cricket Australia just let him down. Like this kind of, you know, said no. Uh, they basically chose themselves or their security over the player's security, if that makes sense. Very different circumstances in the Tim Payne episode. But in a way, that's what he's hinting at. He's saying that, you know, they just left him... Uh, uh, to dry in many ways. So I think uh, that's, that feeling definitely does uh, exist, which kind of also leads us into our next topic, which I'm sure we'll talk about after the break. Oh, very good segue there. We will be back soon to talk about, I guess, the the relationship between players, boards and sponsorship. I'm Daniel Norcross. And I'm Rory Dollard. And between us, we are England Cricket on 99.94. We'll be every week looking at the ups, the downs, the runners, the riders, the news and the views on all things English cricket. And believe you me, there are plenty of ups and downs. Join us, England Cricket on 99.94. All right, welcome back to Australia on 99.94 FM with me, Melinda Farrell and Barrett Sundaresan. Wait, is this FM? Oh, yeah. It's, D- it's DM. Oh. <laughs> Out. I just, I We're not a up. music channel. <laughs> FM. <laughs> we could be. We it might. We be. might. We might introduce some. This. This we might should. be a feature of it. We might have a Jared given of the us. Week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jared's given us free reign of yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let us know if you're out there listening or watching. Let us know. Would you like to hear some of Barrett's music on this show? Yeah, we so. can do whatever you want. Yeah, maybe a little bit of death. Yeah. My mum won't listen to it if you do. I love this. Uh, okay, so we—it's been in the news a lot. Actually, it's quite interesting because it, beyond cricket, this is—it's oh, yeah. almost you know sport in itself. We've seen the Socceroos uh, be the first team to release what I thought was a really powerful video uh, ahead of the the FIFA World Cup mm. in Qatar. Uh, with, uh, you know, expressing their support for migrant workers and the LGBTQI community. Um, And it was quite powerful. And it's always going to be somewhat, you know, when when sport and politics do collide or not even politics but sport and issues, like wider societal issues, I guess, um, collide, there are always going to be people who say, Shut up and play. Mm. Um, take the money and do what you're told. Yeah. And others who I don't think you never completely separate um, one part of life from another like that. In that, because otherwise, if you're a sports fan, it should be like, well, you're not allowed to have an opinion on anything else. Yeah. Yeah. People do. People are human beings who have. Uh, opinions on stuff in life because we all do. If no one's ever allowed to have an opinion or express it, 
uh, on things that are important and that affect, affect us or affect you or affect their families, then I, I just don't see how that works in a functioning society. Um, and I know, yeah, you've spoken a bit about this on, on ABC as well, but with Pat Cummins talking about climate change, kind of being backed yeah. up a little bit by you know, Adam Zampa, Usman Khawaja saying a, a few things as well. It's not the first time that you've had a, a player express concern about a sponsor uh, or in the case of, you know, say Hashim Amla or Fawad Ahmed not wanting to wear, or Usman Khawaja not wanting to wear a, a beer yeah. logo. So that's, I mean, but this is a wider issue and and actually it's kind of timely talking about climate change because Look at what's happening. We've got this, our third La Nina weather effect. La Nina. La Nina um, yeah. in Australia. We, and cricket is a sport that is going to be affected by climate change more than many other sports, right? It's totally dependent on having the, whether it be the soil, whether it be the, the weather conditions, whether it be the availability of water to prepare grounds, all of these things. Um and and I think it's sort of been blown up a little bit. It's not like Pat Cummins has had a strop and said, no. oh, "I'm not." He, he's actually had a discussion with Nick Hockley, the CEO of Cricket Australia, which I think is healthy, right? Because also, if you're a sponsor, don't you do you want people who really don't believe in your product, don't care, and will just say some paid lines, or do you actually want them to? Be proud of being uh, sponsored by you and wanting to be authentic mm. in in sort of you know putting your messages out there. Um, I, I, and I thought that actually the the head of Alinta, there was a story in the SMH by Vince Regari, and uh, I think it was was a, no, it was Origin Energy actually. So it was to do with the netballers, the diamonds, who also had um, an issue with 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 sponsorship. It's kind of saying that that there should be more collaboration and yes. talk and discussion and an understanding, I think, r- across the board on on what sponsors want to do and what players feel comfortable in promoting. Oh, yeah, I mean, you just uh, literally, I could just sit here and say, well, whatever Mel said, yeah, <laughs> and because you covered everything uh, and uh, very. Uh, expertly and succinctly as always. Uh, but before we, before we get into it, and this is. Uh, I'm not underplaying the devastating effects of La Nina, but uh, you're right about climate change. La Nina historically is known to be an ashes fan. La Nina <laughs> strikes every every time there's an ashes uh, held in Australia. But now, you know, La Nina is here for a T20 World Cup, the first ever T20 Men's World Cup in uh, Australia. So, uh, which just tells you that there is no, we have no control over what's happening. We have no idea. Right, we were joking about this before we pressed record. Where uh, a lot of locals uh, I spoke to today have said that you know, and it's a, it's a thing that they say in Australia always, right? Oh, mate, no, don't worry at all. The wind is coming from here. If it comes from here, it will stay. If it goes from there, ah. it's it's. But maybe it was true <laughs> till a few. I've even heard like my favorite um, one is. Um, a friend of mine in Adelaide who grew up in the in the country in South Australia, he could make out which apparently when he was growing up, whether it was raining or not, based on which direction the ants were walking in. And I think that's, I, I know there is some science to it, there is some yeah. logic to it, uh, and and the ants know better than us. You know, yeah, you do know it's going to rain. Yeah, well, you do know it's going to rain when you see the ants going crazy. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, the ants go mad. What's that song? The ants. Go marching one by one, hurrah! I don't know. I'm on all these children's songs thanks to each other. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is so not the answer. Go marching, past. oh my gosh! Oh, this we're back to the to, to the traveling feast. <laughs> <laughs> the ants no, go the marching tr- to a traveling feast. That well-known Australian saying. It is a very well-known Australian saying, yeah. <laughs> As Australians love to say. <laughs> when the ants go marching with the moving feast, what we have is La Nina. Uh, it's, it's like, yeah, it's what gets taught in Australian schools uh, the first week anyway. But no, and you're, you're right. I mean, if, and think about it, right? Like the sponsors come into the sport, not just for the sport, but for the players. I mean, would, and it's true. I mean, if cricket, if Pat Cummins and the rest of the players 
weren't as good as they were, weren't, you know, doing what they do for Australian cricket, would you get the sponsors? And I'm not saying it's purely based on Pat Cummins and uh, Usman Khawaja and David Warner. Of course, Nick Hockley and people who run Cricket Australia and the people who run the business side of things have a big role to play in it. I'm not undermining their role either. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but it, it's about everyone coming together, that collaboration you spoke about. And, and the era has changed. There was a time, uh, even till 10 years ago, five years ago, where... Uh, sporting bodies, not just in cricket, not just in Australia, literally told their players what they had to do. And uh, he or she just had to do it. I mean, or they didn't even think that they had a voice, right? Like they didn't even think we could, you know, actually some would very occasionally, but more or less people were like, we just get on, got on. They, like you said earlier, they just got on with life. They said, okay, well, it's just like, you know, some, something that, uh, some logo on my t-shirt or on my on my trousers I'll just go ahead and play but things have changed and, and you are getting more and more worldly wise uh, people coming into the sport or someone like Pat Cummins who's fortunate enough to travel the world he's not just going in from five star hotel to five star hotel and just with the blinders down and focusing on his cricket uh, like a lot of people want him to do. He keeps his eyes open. I mean, look w- how much he did for uh, the COVID-affected people in India when he went for the IPL. I mean, there are some players who just went there and they said, oh, you know, it's sad what we see, and they came back. But Pat Cummins went ahead. Look what he did for Sri Lanka three uh, three months ago, right? He was... Uh, and it's it's not often that has happened in Australian cricket history, where you've had a captain openly speak about the political situation, the financial situation, the economic situation of another country, far, far away. He's not, he wasn't talking about New Zealand or England. or He was talking about Sri Lanka, uh, a country where a lot of Australians do not know much about. So when you have someone like him, I think if I was Cricket Australia, I would embrace him. I would be like, wow, this guy could really take us places where we've never gone. Um, so all we need to do is, and I'm not, I'm not even saying that... Uh, Players should have a 100% voice. We don't want a situation either where every time you bring in a sponsor or you bring in someone, there is, uh, you know, there's an obstacle. Mm. But if you have Pat Cummins on the table or the leaders, David Warner, Usman Khawaja, Steve Smith, and then you have decided upon something. And then tomorrow, an individual player has a problem with the sponsor, then they can deal with it, right? Then you can just let Pat Cummins or the leaders or the senior members of that side deal with it. But to say at the beginning that, you know what, our job is to bring in the sponsors, your job is to just put on this jersey with the sponsors logo all and go and play the sport. I don't think that works anymore in 2022. Um, and that's why, to repeat my my line from the uh, of the ABC show, it's like you know, if you have a face and you're saying the face can't have a voice, is there any point having a face? Yeah, I'm going. To, I'm going to have to ban you from using lines that you because you've got so many shows at the moment. You're the media <laughs> darling of Australia, so I'm going to have to ban you from using this. Even I'll if go it's back a good to, one, I'll go back to ants for marching <laughs> <laughs> to the but, moving feast. Yeah, do you know, I was thinking a bit about this though because the, where I have some sympathy, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, but I know that even even I have when I've been doing. Um, whether it be a video series or when Mm. I've been commentating that I've been asked to do a read or something that promotes something and and I have felt really comfortable, uncomfortable about it. So I I know one, there was one where I was asked to do a read promoting NFTs. Now Mm. I didn't feel comfortable with that because I know that it, it, there's a lot of controversy around NFTs and how ethical they are sometimes in terms of carbon mm. footprint but but also um that whether it's some kind of pyramid screen scheme or and I I've done a quite a bit of reading about it right. and I still right. don't understand a lot of it and because I don't yeah. understand a lot about Something, it yeah. I don't feel I understand enough yeah. to actually stand up there and promote NFTs otherwise I'm just reading it and uh, you know, I, I guess there's a responsibility for, and players are feeling that responsibility now as well. When you think, you know, 20 years, when you talk about how things have changed, 20 years ago, everything was sponsored by alcohol and tobacco. Yeah. Now it's it's it's, it's NFTs, uh, oil companies, and um, betting. Yeah, true. and and in 20 years' time, are we going to look back at at those three kinds of companies and say, well? They were the tobacco and alcohol uh, sponsorships exactly. 
of, of you know, 20 years earlier. I, I don't know. So you, you can understand why players might want to educate themselves a little bit as well about these things because I, I don't know enough and, and it does worry me sometimes the things that even I get asked to do and I'm not a in, famous, in, you know, international cricketer. You mm. could end up sort of promoting something that, you realize later is not so great. So so it's it's difficult and uh you know I can I can understand it where does is the money going to come from next. So ICC there's a lot of uh, talk about Aramco sponsoring mm. this tournament as well and you know whether or not that's a good place for cricket to get its money from. So it's not an issue I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah no it's not going to um go away at all and I think uh the more people just talk, I mean, it's, I think, goes with everything in the world. People just need to talk a lot more about it, educate themselves about it. Uh, and we are in an era where you can do that, right? Nothing is behind uh, a black screen anymore. You can uh, find out uh, with Aramco, for example, if you want to know uh, why people are so aghast with the ICC uh, signing up with them or bringing them on board. It's out there. It's not that it's uh, you need to go looking for it. It's we, that era is long gone. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, it's interesting. I mean, there's also the argument of, uh, you know, could sporting bodies be somehow be more uh, self-sustaining? Like, you know, find their own sponsors, create their own sponsors. But I don't know whether we've reached that point, uh, especially in a sport like cricket. Uh, but but it, it it is an interesting a discussion. It's an interesting topic, and I have a feeling uh, Mel, as uh, you know, Australia on ninety nine point nine for the podcast grows and grows and grows, and the ants keep marching through the. <laughs> and as the moving circus uh, keeps moving along, we will have plenty of discussions on this topic as well. I think that's a, a beautiful point to end that topic. Just wanted to mention before we wrap up. Uh, the WBBL, because, mm. you know, this is the Australian the Australian cricket show and so we'll be talking about uh, the women's cricket, which you and I have done on other programs and projects quite often before. Uh, it's something I have noticed. I've asked a few people about this because, look, when you're in a – when you're one of the ants marching along to a movable <laughs> uh, circus in a travelling feast, yes. yeah. you, you, you can sometimes – it's hard to judge what's happening outside yeah. that, but I have felt like the WBBL has just been swallowed up. It's yep. completely been swallowed up by this. I know they tried to schedule, make sure that there were no Australian men's games up against the WBBL, um, but the real estate in online and newspapers, yeah, uh, TV yeah. news, every, it, it does, I don't know what the viewing figures have been like, but... There have been some great stories, the resurgence of, of the, the, the Sixers this season, you know, Amanda Jade Wellington uh, t- bowling like an absolute dream and repeating her brilliant figures from last year. But all of these stories, it's, they're very, very uh, small. They're not really cutting through to me and I'm mm. really on out there online looking at a lot of cricket stuff. Have, have you felt that? Very much so. And some extraordinary catches as well, which has almost yeah. been a feature of the WBBL cricket anyway. It, and it's sad because it's it's one of Australian sports marquee products or has become one of Australian sports uh, marquee products, right? The WBBL, uh, by far the best uh, women's T20 league in the world. Uh, and it'll get even more interesting when the women's IPL starts next year. So uh, it, it is disappointing. Um, I don't know... But the point is, what else could have Cricket Australia and maybe pushed it into, say, the latter half of November? Um, you could argue that with the West Indies coming uh, first up and just where West Indies cricket is now, that Test Series might not have gained the same level of interest that even a South African Series will. So maybe that would have been a good time for the WBBL. But then you can argue that the WBBL has created its own window in this whole October-November period. Um, so why move the WBBL? And uh, yeah, but I think it, it is more of a one-off, Mel. It's sad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unfortunate that uh, it's happening in the almost in the shadow of uh, the men's T20 World Cup. Uh, but I mean, to quote Kane Williamson for a change, it is it is what it is, I guess. But you know that it's not going to last. I mean, the WBBL's... Uh, status 
in terms of where it stands in world cricket, I don't think can take away. And if you are interested in the WBBL, this uh, it's on. I mean, you can go mm. watch it, and it's an exciting season as well. The RS has come in, uh, the power surge has come in, so there's a lot of exciting uh, additions to the WBBL as well. And the WBBL, to its credit, is I mean, the quality is as high as ever, if not more. So yeah, I mean, if you are a a fan of women's cricket, if you are a fan of cricket, uh, there's plenty of time for you to take a break from the T20 World Cup as well. I don't expect people to be watching every match there is out there. I'm sure there are some. Uh, I know you are one of those. Uh, I certainly am not. But, you know, so, but there is, yeah, there is, there is a space for it. But I think it's just a one-off. Right? And yeah. I think the WBBL, ironically, will just come out stronger because there will be some performances, trust me, which will be so good, which will be so out there that they'll get picked up by those covering the Men's World Cup um, and get featured even more. Mm, yeah, well, ho- hopefully that does happen. It's just been a very unusual circumstance this week. Well, that wraps up our discussion. Oh, sorry, am I keeping you up? Actually, we were, we were, both, up, we were both up really late last night because we were messaging after um, Zimbabwe beat Pakistan. So I know that I am like... Dark yeah, circles under the and eyes. And we have to leave for the MCG very soon yes, as well. Yes, we do. We do. So so we'll leave it there. But please, you know, give us your feedback. Um, we would love to know if you want to hear uh, some of Bharat's music or other topics that you think that we we should be discussing. Um, but, hey, this should be fun. We'll be doing this all the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's like an extension of what we do anyway. We just talk uh, a lot of um, crap. crap. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, but this is, this is, uh, yeah, this is uh, very, uh, if you were listening to this, I'm sure you've learned a lot, especially about the ants. And uh, yeah, and I can have my own segment on uh, Bharat's take on Australian expressions. Uh, that should be definitely added as a feature. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll give you a test. We'll, we'll see how much you're picking up the lingo. Thanks for listening to Australia on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Melinda Farrell and at BeastieBoy07. Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.